Turn your Bibles, if you will, this morning. We're going to be in Psalm 73. And then if you maybe have a piece of paper or a pen or something, we're going to be in Mark 1 as we get on into the Scripture a little bit. Where We're going to start here with this one verse, Psalm 73, verse 25. Let's all stand and honor God's Word. Whom have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. This is a powerful scripture, and it's almost, it's like, man, how do you, how do you get there? And so let's pray this morning and see what God wants to tell us. Father, as we read this today and we think about it, it's, boy, it's, it's hard to think like this. But your word says that uh, you are to be our all in all and everything. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds a little bit and help us to see what this means and what this looks like in our lives. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Cindy tries to have the bulletins done by Wednesday night. And so by Wednesday, I usually try to have a pretty good idea about what I'm going to preach on. And I, I really try to be done with my sermon pretty close to then. And so Wednesday, she was in there, and she was doing her bulletin. She says, so what's your scripture for uh, uh, Sunday? And so I, I I read her this scripture and told her where it was from and told her, you know, where it was at and, and what we were going to be preaching out of. And uh, she said, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, man, I just read that scripture and listened to that. And she goes, there's things I desire on this earth. And I was like, oh, that's fine, but I don't want to hear about it. And she goes, I said, I said what do you mean? I, and she said, I don't, she said, I don't know if I agree with this scripture. And I was like, what has happened to you? And I was thinking she'd lost her salvation and was going. And she goes, she goes I'm just telling you, Brian. She said, I love my family. She said, there's things in this world I love. She said, I love my kids. And she said, I love you. She said, I desire you. I desire my kids to be around. I, I desire things on this earth. And I said, well, I said, you know, it's, you know, and I started trying to, I tried to sound holy and have a really good, you know, uh, Bible college answer there. And I, and it wasn't very good. And I was trying to explain what what I meant, and I and and I really I started as I got to thinking about it, I almost backed out of the scripture. I had, a, I had my first pastor that I that I had when I got called to preach was Pastor Mike Whirl, and he said there will be times when you'll be in the scripture and you'll get somewhere and you can't figure out what you're supposed to say, and it won't make sense to you. And you just can't get clarity on it. And he said, if that ever happens, he said, you just need to back out of it. He said, and the Lord will give you clarity some other time. And so I had started in and I was going in pretty deep. And, and then she says these things. And then I start thinking, you know, there's things I desire. There's, there's things that, that I love and, and uh, on this earth. And, and I was trying to figure out, and, and the Lord would not let me back out. So I kept going. And uh, 
and I, and I started thinking about this, and 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 I had, and and if you, so I thought, well, I'm going to go to the Amplified Bible, and and it'll open it all up, and it'll give me a real good thing, and it's even worse. It's just worse. It says, "Whom have I in heaven but you, and I have no delight or desire on earth besides you." So now I can't. At first, I just couldn't desire anything. Now I can't delight in anything. I can't delight or desire anything on this earth. And, and I was just thinking, uh, I'm not getting a good answer here. And, uh, but I was thinking, this is how I want to live. This is what I want, but I don't know if I'm there or not. And I thought about this, and I was thinking, I'm just going to do something else. I'll go somewhere else. And then my mind went back, and we've been talking, just Jesus, just Jesus. Here's the deal. Jesus loved people. He loved people on this earth. And he loved them enough that he cured them and he brought healing into their life and he cried when people died. And so there was things on this earth that somehow or another that he was able to have feelings for and yet God was all that he served and, and God was everything to him and God the Father was all that he was after and yet somehow he was able to have both and he was able to have it in a right relationship. And so as I was thinking about that and, and, I, and I, we were, I was doing my Wednesday night lesson and as I was doing that and reading what Jesus was doing in Mark, I said, Jesus is somehow able... To have the Father be all there is to him and yet have caring, loving relationships with people here on this earth and be engaged with this earthly culture and he's still all God. And I thought, God, you're just going to have to show this to me. Because he was all about God, but he still loved and delighted in people. He, he loved God, but he desired for people to, to know God. So I thought, how do I reconcile this with them? with the scripture on Wednesday night we started talking about we I had people write down a list all the things that you had to do that week your to-do list and we listed some of the things on our list and some of the things we like to do and some of the things we don't like to do and as I was thinking about that we tend to think of life in compartments and it's it's the culture that we live in it's the way that we've been raised we've we've been like this literally our culture has been this way for centuries we we think in compartments and uh when i started this week and i don't know what your planner looks like but when i start the week i have seven spaces on a piece of paper i could show it to you but i run it off i run it out of my computer i put it on a piece of paper i punch three holes in it and i put it in this binder and there's seven compartments and it's sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and I've got seven boxes on there, and as soon as the week starts, some of them are already filled because I've got stuff that I've put on there from uh, months before. I have a year calendar just like you, and you've already got things on there. I just had to put a wedding on there, you know, and I'm kind of excited about that. Luke's getting married. I don't know if anybody knew that. He's still pretty excited about it. I don't think Bethany's as excited as Luke. Okay, just a little bit. But I've got that, I mean, I already, I've got my calendar out and I wrote that on there. It goes in my compartment. And we plan out the years and the months and the days. And literally, if you've got a day planner, it's got, you've got hours in there. And I, and I put times and things on there. And that's how we think. 
And I, I was reading a book that Jill Calloway gave me, and this guy was talking about how God's supposed to be number one. And, and we've heard that, and I have preached that before. And I've said that. And I know what I meant, and I know what I was thinking, but I think sometimes we get into this idea, and, and like this scripture says here, uh, we, we think God's supposed to be number one. God's number one. And everything else falls in after that. You know, we got God number one, fishing number, no, family. I knew something started with an F. Family number two, church, work, whatever. You know, but, but God's number one. God's number one. And that's how we think, and that sometimes that's how I preach, and, and I don't mean to be that way, and I know what I mean, but, but sometimes I think we just think one, two, three, four, five. And as I was in Scripture this week, I, I got to see how we, how we do this, and we, we think God's number one. So I got to get up because God's number one. I'm going to put him first in the morning, so I got to get up and I got to pray and I got to read my word because God's number one. And then the number two thing I got to do, I got to get my family up and get, get them ready for school. And I've got to go to work because my family is important. I've got to provide for them. So, so one, two, right in there is right in there. And then you just keep going down and I've got activities and I don't know where they fall on that. I and mean, I've got whatever it is. But it goes one, two, three, four. And my day planner, that's the way it goes. And I got to eat and I got to go to bed. And I got to get up in the morning and it just starts repeating again and again and again. And I start my week at church. You're all here on an icy cold day. The first day of the week, you have put God number one. And I think sometimes we think, I went to church, man. God's number one. It's the first thing I did this week. I got up there and I, got, I, got, I went to church on an icy cold day, so I'm getting extra credit today God is really number one I started my week right and then I think we tend to I got my number one thing done so now I'm going to number two and number three and number four and as I was reading this week and as I was thinking about this I started thinking, and we we sat on Wednesday night, and I said, write five things down you got to do this week. And I mean, it didn't take anybody. I mean, they run, they wrote down five things like that. You probably got at least 200 things to do this week. And some of you probably got more than that. Your calendar is full, hour by hour. I got to do this. I got, but God's number one. And I'm going to tell you what I think happens, and I could be wrong, but I think this is what happens. God, you want him to be number one, and you seek for him to be number one, and in your mind, you think he's number one, but he is number one, and you get that thing done, and then you start on number two, number three, number four. And if you've got 200 things to do this week, which probably everybody in here does, I'm going to tell you what happens when we think that way. God becomes one two hundredth of our life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is one two hundredth. That's fractions for all the homeschoolers out there. <laughs> I homeschooled my kids so I can make fun of it. Luke's going, what? I don't, huh? Do you know what a fraction is, Landon? Okay, all right. 
<laughs> one two hundredth. That's not much, is it? He's number one. He's number one. But he's one two hundredth. Two hundredth. And you see, and we think, oh, I'm putting God first. I went to church on Sunday. I got that first thing done. I've got, I got that done. And, that's, and I'm telling you, it's the way we think. It's the way we're programmed. It's the way we, we do things. And he becomes one two hundredth of, of, of our life. And so how do I take this God that's number one and bring him to where he's not just a little part of my life, but he's all of my life? How do I do that? So now I want you to go to Mark chapter 1 and we're going to begin reading with verse 21 I don't know if you guys can put that up there oh yeah you guys are right on it chapter 20 chapter 1 verse 21 and I want you to think of this as Jesus has a day planner he's going to go to the synagogue and then he's going to go to Peter's house and he's probably going to hang out there the rest of the day. And then he's got some plans the next day. They went to Capernaum when Sabbath had came. Jesus was a Jew. What did they do on the Sabbath? They went to the synagogue. He had it on his day planner. Went into the synagogue and began to teach. I got to teach. So the week before, he'd made time. I got his lesson all done. He knew what he was going to do. So he had time to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly about over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon, this is Simon Peter. This would be Peter, in case you're wondering. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, and you have to, you need to understand here, it wasn't like a long trip. It's probably from here to the front door to his house. It's just a little town. It's a little old place. It ain't very big, and the synagogue's here, and they got out, and they just went down to Peter's house. As soon as they got there, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Now, a lot of people think that Jesus was being nice here, and he was. He really just wanted a sandwich. And he was like, can you get up and make me a sandwich? Oh, you got a fever. Okay, I'll take care of it. No. I'm just joking. But, he, but she started waiting on him. And then that evening, so they're there all afternoon. That evening after sunset, the people, and this is, it's dark now. So he's gone to church. He went to his friend's house. He spent his time that afternoon. Sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. So everybody's there. They went out and found everybody sick and demon-possessed they could find, and they drug them in there. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So this is Jesus. If Jesus had a day planner, and I don't think he needs a day planner, but if he had one, whatever the date was, it would be God's number one. It's the Sabbath. 
I'm going to synagogue. So 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to teach. And so he goes there at 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it was, but anyway, he goes there to teach. And God's, God's number one, that's what I'm going to do. The next thing I'm going to do when I get done with that, I'm going to go eat at my friend Peter's house. And then I'm going to spend the rest of the day, and then i got some plans the next day. And that's pretty much it. I'm going to the synagogue. I'm going to go to my friend's house. And that's what he planned. And this is how we plan our days. It's Sunday morning. I'm going to go to church. And I hope we have a great service. And I hope that the singing is good. And I hope my Sunday school lesson is good. And I hope I get to see my friends there. And I'm going to go to Sunday school at 9.30. And at 10.30, I'm going to go to church. And at noon, I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to take a nap. And at 5.40, I'm going to start watching the Chiefs on the TV. That's what some of you are doing. James Greer was convinced it was the Super Bowl Sunday, and he was so sad. I said, no, that's not me and James. We run on the same. But anyway. So after the game, you're either going to be happy or sad, but one of the things, you're going to go to sleep, and then Sunday, and then Monday you're going to get up and you start again. That's how we do, isn't it? And that's how we think. We put God first, but I think sometimes we don't leave room for him to maybe do anything in those in-between times. We don't think that God might really want to come in and really want to do something all day long. And if you look at, G- at Jesus' daily activity planner, it would have said, the morning, I'm going to go to the sab- uh, synagogue and I'm going to teach. I'm going to have lunch at Peter's and I'm going to stay the rest of the day at Peter's and have a great day with my friend. God is number one. But because God is number one, he moves in on the whole day. He doesn't go, I'm going to meet him here at the synagogue, and then I'm going to not be in his presence. I'm just going to eat, and I'm going to have the whole day by myself. It was God the whole day with Jesus. Do you understand? It wasn't, I'm going to be here and here and here. It was everything is inside God. It wasn't compartmentalized. It's God and everything fits in there. And when we do that, then things start happening. Because he goes to the synagogue and because he's in God, well, all of a sudden, it's not just I went to church and got things done. It's I went to church and something really happened. Somebody's life really got changed because it's all in God now. It's not just this, 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 and this. It's all God. It's not me putting God first on Sunday. It's me, everything's in God, and God changes things. And then I went to lunch. I mean, what could happen at lunch? I mean, we don't think, we just don't think this way. I mean, we don't think, I'm going to go to lunch, and I might heal somebody. I might get to speak truth into somebody's life, and their life be totally changed. We don't think that way. We think church, lunch, football, sleep, work, lunch, Come home from school. Go to bed. That's how we think. And God wants to change our mind to where it's God all day long. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And he might want to step into every single thing you do. It's lunch. It's lunch. What could God possibly do at lunch? And he heals this woman. Because it's all God. And Jesus thought different than we did, do. We think, 
And Jesus is just, it's all. It's all everything. And his whole day, he, he had three things on his day. And this is how we think. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to eat lunch. I'm going to hang out with my friends. And when we think all God, God just fills it up with everything else. There are people getting healed from sickness, people that have suffered with demon possession for who knows how long. And when we're all God, then God has room to step in and do things instead of, I'm just going to go to synagogue and that's going to be pretty much it for the week. I got my first, God's number one. I got that done. God, listen to me. Jesus does not want to be, number one, the first thing you do in the week. He wants to be your week. Everything fits in. He wants to be your week. He doesn't want to be your Sunday morning service, hope everything goes good, hope I get a real excitement and feel really good so I can have that really good feeling going into the rest of the week. He wants to be your week. He doesn't want to be number one. He wants to be it, everything. And Jesus put the Father first. Jesus' Father was not one of 200 things he had to do that week. He was the weak. The Father was not what happened in synagogue. He was the weak. It was not the Father uh, on, on Sunday. It was Father all week long. And whatever I'm doing, no matter if it's, if it's great or if it's as menial as eating lunch, God in it. God in it. Jesus didn't have a father section and a friend section and a work section and a synagogue section. It was just father all the time. And we have got to see life as just Jesus. Not in sections, but just Jesus. And we love to hear what happened to Jesus at church that morning. And we, we pray for that. We pray for God's presence. And, and I pray for that. But I tend to think sometimes we think that it all ends here. And it's not just this section where God can work. It's not just this, this time period on Sunday morning or whenever it is that God can work. He wants to work the whole week. He wants to be with you all day today at lunch or wherever or whatever you're doing. Not just church or in my devotion time, but all day long. I think sometimes we think that our day starts and, and I have this time with God. And boy, that was great. And I felt the presence and all right, I'm going to work. God wants to be the whole day. You understand? God wants to be the whole day. He doesn't want you just to have the presence of him at a little time in the morning. And, and I love those times. I love, I love those times. But God wants to be your, in, his, in his presence all day long. He wants to work in your family and he wants to work in your life all day long. Not just Jesus at church, but just Jesus. He wants him to be your whole life. And I think oftentimes, maybe not even on purpose, but we make God the number one thing out of 200 we got to do, which minimalizes him down to one two hundredth of our life. He wants to be working at work, at home, at lunch. Healing, you understand this? Who do you have lunch with this week? 
that maybe God would want to heal in their life. But that doesn't fit into my section. I mean, this is my God section. That's all on Sunday or Wednesday night or Sunday night or, or whenever. That, that's, that's my God section. This is my friend and eating section. And, and God wants to work in that section too. Or in my basketball practice section or in my school section. God wants to everywhere. There are no sections with him. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And he doesn't want to be a small fraction of our life. He wants to be the whole of our life. And when he is the whole, then I delight and desire my family the way that God would have me to. And when he is the whole, my work is in him. When he is the whole, my schedule is in him. He is not a small part of what I do, but he is the whole of everything that exists in me and in my life. And when we work like that, we start experiencing God like we see here. Wouldn't you like to have a day like this? You see, that's not just supposed to be set aside for Jesus. God seeks to do this in our lives. The disciples had days like this. I've got to get up this morning and I'm going to do something. And their shadow would fall on people and people would get healed because they were operating in the hole. Wouldn't you like to have a, a day like this? Well, if I could put it in my schedule, I would like to have You see, God doesn't work on schedules. He's just God. And this is what he wants to do. And in the life of Jesus, on a regular Sabbath, he comes and works. And God seeks to do that in our everyday. Instead of Jesus just on Sunday, or Jesus just being the first part of my day, he wants everything to be just Jesus. Instead of Jesus being the number one part of my life, just Jesus is my life. Instead of number one of a thousand things I've got to do, when that becomes the way I live, then he becomes a fraction of my life and he wants to be the whole. I got to thinking about this morning. If you come to church on Sunday, he gets one twenty-fourth of the first one-seventh of your week. That is not much. Well, Jesus is first. I, on Sunday, I'm, I'm there. He's the first thing I do on the week. You're giving him, we're here about an hour and a, okay, maybe two twenty-fourths. That'd be like one-twelfth. One-twelfth of the first one-seventh of my week. Well, that's fantastic. That's not very much, is it? One-twelfth of the first one-seventh of my week. And he says, yeah, I want it all. Just me. Well, but God, there's things, there's things I desire. I, I have people that I love and people that work in there and, 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 and people that I, that I work with and, and, and people that are my family. Can I have feelings for them too? Absolutely. Yes. He said, I love people. 
but it all is inside me. It's not me first, it's just me. And then God helps us to work within that. Jesus wants to be free to move out of just Sundays. He wants to be free to move out of your day planner, to be real and life-changing all day long, all week long, all year long. Once you look at your planner, and it might be get up this morning, go get gas. Do you understand that God could put you in contact with somebody and absolutely revolutionize their life? And I've got it in my planner as go get gas. God's got it in his eternal planner as I have someone (coughs) who's going to eternally meet someone, show them who I am, and change their life forever. Oh God, I, I, I had my private time with you this morning. Yeah, I understand that. But I want, to, I want you to speak into this person's life right now. And we've got to change the way we think. I've got to change the way I think. Because I understand, hey, th- th- I understand this. I understand that this is, hard to, this is hard for me to break out because I'm a list guy. Because if I don't get it on the list, I don't get it done. And I list, 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 list. And it's hard for me. I mean, I get tunnel vision i got to stay with the list. And it's okay to have the list, but you got to be flexible enough that all the list fits in just Jesus. And we need to start thinking that God might want to break in the list somewhere other than Sunday morning and somewhere other than my devotion time. And he might want to break in the list at lunch or at the gas station or wherever. And you never know where that is, but when we're just Jesus, then we're looking for it. I'm telling you, I've been, I've been, Jesus has broke in on me on my devotion time and I'm just like, I'm waiting for you to break in. And then I've been reading this and I'm like, I'm wait. I just want you to break in anywhere. You're going to think this is ridiculous. Our house, we have, we have uh, a heat pump and when it gets really cold, it just blows air that's not quite as cold as the rest of the house. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if you understand heat pumps. But like if you have it set on 65, it blows air that's about 65. And it's and that's what we keep it, about 65. It's pretty cool in our house. When Cindy got sick, she's no longer hot anymore. I mean, she's still good looking, but I mean, she's not. She used to be hot. I mean, like she was hot all the time. She was No matter how cold it got in the house, she was hot. But she got sick back in November and something has happened to her, her whole metabolism and she's just cold all the time. And so part of our plan in our house was to put this, this fireplace in our bedroom. And so I, I knew it was going to get cold and I said, okay, I'm going to get this fireplace done and we'll put it in our bedroom. So I put it in our bedroom. I turned it on just a little bit. The fire comes on for a little while, but it's got a thermostat on it and it heats up in that room pretty quick. And so you're just sitting there enjoying it and then all of a sudden it just, it gets warm and shuts off. I'm like, wow, I wish I could have the heat. I wish I could have the fire without the heat because I like to watch the fire, you know? So I turned that on last night and it heated up and then it goes out. Well, I just barely got it to work. So I woke up at 3.30 and I was, I went outside. I had to go check on something. I came back in. I got in the house and I was thinking, I got to get up in about an hour and a half. 
and I'm always praying on Sunday morning. And you're going to think this is stupid and it's just random, but you don't understand how much I love. I love to look at fire. I love fire. I love fire. I just sit and look at it for hours. I love it. I love it. And I'm sitting there laying in my bed on my back. And I'm like, God, I just, boy, I wish I could just have your presence right now. I'm just thinking about this day and I know it's in the middle of the night and I just, God, I just want your presence. I've just been praying for his presence. And you just think this is just stupid and random. Oh, pastor, it's just because it got cold in there. My fire turns on. I'm like, you're so awesome. I about woke Cindy up. Jesus is here. No, he's not. It's just cold. I was like, it's awesome. And the room just lights up, and I'm just laying there. And I'm like, I've, I know that's you. And I know you're thinking, no, it's just cold in your house. That was Jesus. Man, I just felt him. He wants that all day long. You understand that? This is, he just wants it all day long. And there's no, there's no, if I say this many prayers, if I sing this many songs, if I go to church this often, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be you saying, God, you have it all and I'm seeking you and you're going to have to show me what this looks like. I am going to seek you till you do this in my life. I'm going to tell you one trip down the altar will not do this in your life. Two trips won't do it. It's just you saying, God, I want your presence. I want just you. And my schedule works into you, and you do whatever. But God, I just want you. I just want Jesus. Just Jesus. I'm just looking, I'm just looking for him all the time. I'm just looking for him all the time. What are you, what are you trying to, you know? What are you, what are you trying to do here? Am I hearing you? I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm not just going around, you know, what, what was that, you know, but I'm just, because he went, Jesus, I don't think Jesus woke up and said, boy, I'd sure like to heal a demon-possessed guy today. I think Jesus woke up and said, ah, I'm going to go preach today, and God, I'm up for anything you throw my way today, just, just so you know, I'm ready. Whatever it is. And he's in there teaching, and this demon possessed guy speaks up. He's like, I'm so ready for you. This is just like God. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Get out of him. You know that God wants to do that in your life? You say, Oh, no, that was just for Jesus. No. Do you understand? He wants to do that in you, in all of us, all the time. I hate to say this because it almost sounds bad. Have you diminished God down to number one in your life? Think about that. Have I diminished God down to where he's number one of a thousand other things I need to be doing? If that's true, he's one one thousandth of your life. He doesn't want to be number one in your life. I have preached that before, and I want to repent of that this morning. My motives were right, and my heart was good, but that's not the way to say it. In our culture, the way we think, I've said that wrong, okay? And I'm sorry. He doesn't want to be one part of your life. He wants to be your life. And you're going to have to seek him 
and look for him and he will make himself known. I promise you. Let's stand. Lord, we love you this morning. Father, I don't know what the response is to this. I don't think we have an altar call today. I think we just say, God, whatever you want, I want. I want just Jesus. And I don't think it's something that happens instantaneously, but I think it's something that we seek and start training ourselves and you train us as well. As Father, as you're, as you're helping me, Lord, thank you. God, thank you. Father, I feel like I've had such a rich couple, three weeks with you as I've gone through this. You just seem like you've opened up my eyes to things I just haven't noticed before. And Father, for that, I'm sorry, but I thank you for showing me stuff. Father, I don't want you to be number one in my life. I want you to be my life. And that's what you called us to. So Father, help us not to diminish you to number one of a hundred things we need to do. But Father, help us to make you all of what we do in every hour of every day. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for your word today. I pray that we have heard it. And I pray that we will apply it to every part of our life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray the prayer of Jabez before we go. Let's pray together. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. And that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. Amen. The Lord bless you. You are dismissed.